What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel. And on today's episode, I got to talk with Patrick Ma, Olympic weightlifting coach here in Charleston. We talked about Dungeons and Dragons, which, yes, it was relevant. And we dove into what it's like to be a coach, what the process is like to take someone very new who's never snatched or clean and jerked before and how to teach them technical movements And then we nerded out about cueing, what makes an effective cue, how to get your athletes to achieve a desired outcome, and the differences between good versus bad cues, and even some examples there that I'm sure we've all heard and experienced. We also talked a lot about the fears that come with being a new coach or a new provider, and I think there's a lot of paralysis when it comes to posting on social media, putting things out there trying to learn, trying to show people, you know, what you're learning, what you're processing, because we're all afraid to say the wrong thing. And I may have ranted a bit, um, but definitely take a listen. And I'm sure you're used to me ranting by now. So thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back everyone to the Healthy Charleston podcast. On today's episode, we're talking all about weightlifting, effective cueing and coaching. And I'm with Patrick Ma of Strength Check Weightlifting. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, welcome. I'm super excited, and I said it right. Yeah. I was nervous. Strength check. you got to like check. give yourself yeah. enough space yep. in between. Can you tell me a little bit just about strength check first? What is it? What is it sure. Yeah, so I started strength check back in July of last year, um, and it was a vehicle for me to be able to coach my friends. Uh, so I, I got my USA weightlifting certification back in July, and it was, I think uh, about a month later I started. I started the company. Um, Strength Check, it, its name is derived from uh, the, the tabletop game Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and in that game, you have different like abilities, like strength, dexterity, charisma, um, constitution. Um, and throughout the game, you're periodically asked to like check that ability. And so that's where Strength Check's name is born from out of a, a, a want or a need to put a check on strength and 
make sure that you're applying strength properly. I so, like that. Yeah. Are you a big Dungeons and Dragons fan? Uh, I'm not a small one. Okay. So you're, like, <laughs> you're like, do I want everyone to know about yeah. this? Okay. Yeah. So you're really into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I get it. Do you watch Parks and Rec? I did, yeah. Do you yeah. remember the cones of Dunshaw? Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or um, his bachelor, his bachelor party. What do they play? Do they play Dungeons and Dragons? No, they play um, Settlers of Catan. <sighs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. What I, does it mean to ch like check your strength in regards to that game? Uh, so, like when you when you set up a character, um, you you're, you assign basically ability points to that character based on their background, what their race is, if they're like an, <laughs> an elf, a half-elf, human, dwarf, whatever, yes, what have you. Um, and basically, there's a you essentially roll a 20-sided dice and apply a certain modifier to that. It can be up to like plus five, plus seven, depending on what that character's background is and what you set up. Uh, so when you when you check that strength, essentially, if, you're, if your character has like a really really strong strength attribute no matter what you roll with the 20 sided dice you apply that bonus to it and it's you're typically going to roll really well for that attribute yeah so, so i know we were going to talk about weightlifting let's cut that let's, yeah, cut let's talk about dungeons and dragons yeah <laughs> i feel like you know a lot about that too <laughs> no i like the name that's yeah. good so you started that in july how long have you been a weightlifter yourself so i've been Weightlifting seriously, uh, probably since 2019. Yeah, um, and that was born out of CrossFit. I got my start in in, in CrossFit in in 2018, but didn't seriously pursuing uh, start pursuing weightlifting until like a year later, when I was figuring out I couldn't hit lifts like efficiently and effectively all the time. I was just like, well, how do I get really good at that? And then you were like, "Bye, CrossFit. I'm just gonna weightlift." Yeah. Well, so so then I, I then the pandemic happened. Oh yeah. yeah. And and I, uh, I I reinvested what I had into my garage, mm. um, set up a rig, got myself a barbell and bumper plates, and um, kind of just started going to work at like trying to perfect my lifts. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. So you are another person that kind of like pivoted because of COVID. Yeah. And like maybe even started your business. Yeah. Because of like what COVID did for you. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that too, because I think back when we got like those stimulus payments and I was like, mm -hmm. wow, this is like, I think this had the intended effect, right? Because I put oh, like what yeah. I had from those stimulus payments into my garage. Into Rogue Fitness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I bet Rogue made so much money in 2020. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So like I, I bought all the equipment and then um, just, started started trying to like perfect my lifts and was was starting to get pretty frustrated as to why I wasn't like hitting hitting the lifts correctly and I think there was a, a little bit of learning curve from like learning the the lifts the correct way versus like CrossFit way. Uh, I mean I'm not saying that it's the wrong way but there, there's definitely a, a difference in the methodologies in which they're taught. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm always nervous um because I am like a CrossFitter that's how I, I mean, not, that's how I was trained, but like, that's how I learned just what Olympic lifting was. Yeah. And so I go to these lifting meets, like with you at, yeah. at Low Country Barbell, and I'm like, oh man, I don't lift like these people. Like, I, I it's should hang it's out different. with y'all. Yeah. It is definitely yeah. different. And like, 
the press out rule. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of other rules mm -hmm. where we always say like, oh, that would count in CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. count on the platform. Yeah. So did you coach yourself? Did you teach yourself? Or do you have a coach during this time or anyone to help you? Right. So when back when I was doing CrossFit, um, there was a barbell specific class that was focused on Olympic lifting. Yeah. And we had a USA weightlifting uh, level one coach there. Where'd you go? Uh, so it was it was integrity. Oh, okay. um, and then it restructured to Spartina. Spartina yeah. yeah. Okay. And and so my coach was Colin, Colin okay. Gazantini. Yeah. Um, and you know, he and I could only meet during that that specific barbell class we mm -hmm. like he's he's a super busy dude um but at when when the pandemic happened um colin ended up going um to graduate school and he had a, a lot of a lot of life events that like mm -hmm. coaching coaching just didn't work out for him anymore um and so i yeah essentially a lot of it was was self-taught and then every now and again i'd send colin a couple of my lifts or things that i was having trouble with and he give me some some effective, yeah, uh, like cues to. Yeah, is there <laughs> anything specific on. that you've struggled with? Um, I think the biggest thing that I struggled with um, was my snatch, and I, I still struggle with it um, in in a different way today. But um, it's, I, you know, I, I'm probably not very uh, special in the fact that I, I suffered from this, but like for the longest time, I just had this like super bruised like hip area, a general hip area. And it was from trying to make the barbell like touch my yeah. hips, you know? Um, and so that was, that was the, the part that I struggled with the most was like, how do I, how do I get that bump, mm -hmm. that, that explosive bump in the, uh, are you still the... bruised today? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I, Yeah, I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners for anyone who doesn't know, what is Olympic weightlifting? So Olympic weightlifting is Olympic lifting. What's what's the correct term? Olympic weightlifting. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I said it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Olympic weightlifting is there so there are two the Olympic weightlifting movements. It's the snatch and the clean and jerk. So the snatch is moving the barbell from ground to overhead in one fluid motion. Um, you typically take a wider grip um, and, and move the barbell up off the ground. The clean and jerk uh, moves the barbell off of the ground, um, you catch it in the clean or the front front squat position, and then you'll jerk the weight overhead in a split jerk where you can do like a power jerk. Yeah. The event at Low Country Barbell a couple months ago was the first time I'd ever seen a split snatch. Yes. It was that, that woman from Hilton Head. Yes. And I was like, heck yes. That, so that was the first time I've seen that lift in person. I've seen videos yeah. of it, but I've never seen someone do that in person. I was, that blew, that so blew my she mind. She just combined yeah. right. everything that yeah. I know <laughs> into one lift. Yeah. So you started really getting into weightlifting during COVID and mm -hmm. starting just for yourself to get better yourself. Yeah. And then how did that turn into you becoming a coach? So it, so after the pandemic, I uh, wanted to get back into some sort of social gym. Um, and a buddy of mine um, who I knew through CrossFit started Ascension Fitness mm -hmm. over in West Ashley in the old Integrity Spartina space. Um, and he wanted me to coach, he wanted me to coach for him um, as, as a barbell coach because he saw how well I moved the barbell. Um, and so in order, in order to do that and do it the right way, um, we pursued a USA weightlifting certification for, for me. Um, and then, uh, 
yeah. And then essentially he gave me the license to, you know, if I, if I wanted to, to start my own business. So I, I did that. Yep. Yeah. What's mm -hmm. that been like starting your own business? Um, it, it, so it's, uh, it's, it's been a learning curve for sure. Um, yeah. you know, the actual setting up of the, the LLC was not too terribly yeah. difficult like that. Um, I think they like South Carolina and the internal revenue service, um, they've really streamlined that process. <laughs> good, good to uh, know. Yeah. Like I, I think you can, you can email the IRS that you started a business and as long as you have all that documentation in, in order, you can get that federal I, like that federal identification number uh, yeah. in like, yeah. like within 15 minutes of applying. That is so. extremely efficient for the government. Yeah. yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah. 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 Um, but other than that, um, you know, maintaining, maintaining balance with my day job is, mm. is where I find, find it to be cruxy. Right. So that's, that's like, I have to be able to recognize that like I can coach, but I need to be able to, also work my day job, right? So, which is um, so I, I work for I work for the Nature Conservancy as a forester, um, and uh, that usually occupies my time between nine o'clock and nine nine a.m. and five p.m. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, before or after that time, I usually make myself available to coach. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So mm -hmm. you uh, working a lot of hours. Working a lot of hours. Yeah. And fortunately, like I, this is, this is a reason why I started strength check with just my friends and haven't mm -hmm. really advertised. Cause I don't know, I don't know how many clients I can carry at one time. Right. Like, or how many athletes I can coach at one time consistently because, because I have to maintain that balance. That's, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's definitely like a, like a tension point for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If the, like, do you want strength check to be your full-time day job or do you like having the balance right now? I really enjoy the balance right now. Yeah. Um, it, it strength check forces me to think a little bit differently outside of what I, I typically do. Um, so I do a lot of project management for mm -hmm. the nature conservancy. I do like a lot of grant writing and administration. So, um, Exciting stuff. yeah, yeah. So it forces me to think, uh, think a little bit more actively and, yeah. and, and reactively rather than like the, like just getting tasks done on, mm. on the road to uh, yeah, completing to, like, a project. Use yeah. different skills, use a different part of your brain. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure these days to make your side hustle your full thing. Yeah. It's almost like a, you're not allowed to have a side hustle. Right. And it's like, why are we not allowed to fill our lives with a bunch of different things that we love right. and like a lot of different avenues to feel fulfilled and to give back. Um, and so I, I totally understand like wanting to, like you obviously you like your day job and you mm -hmm. like doing that. And then also like you want the balance of being able to work out yourself mm -hmm. too, which is what a lot of people lose immediately. Yeah. And then also being able to coach your friends, to coach your clients, like, things that you love and things that will stay with them forever. Oh, absolutely. No, you bring up a really good point is that like outside of just coaching and, and doing my own, my, my, my day job that like I have to get back every afternoon and like do hit my actual programming as an mm -hmm. athlete. And that's, I mean, minimum an hour and a half of mm -hmm. like spent. So there, there's, it's kind of a constant flow. Like my Wednesdays and Thursdays are like jam packed from mm -hmm. 6am until 
like yeah. essentially eight o'clock at night. So and you also have a wife too. Yeah, a fairly new wife. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, you gotta hang out with her. Too, uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So like the uh, the structure right now, the way the way that I've been operating right now, it allows me to be flexible and fluid. Mm -hmm. um, just just so I can maintain that balance and maintain some semblance of like, you know, not go crazy. Yeah. Like a full <laughs> life and not being burnt out by the thing you started because you love it. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. what a lot of people like fall prey to is yeah. they just forget the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. And that, that's, that's something that is, you know, kind of really resonates with me because I think it was like at the end of, at the end of 2021, um, we got the, essentially got the guidance from, from my day job that we're going back into the office, mm -hmm. at least like part-time. Um, yeah. And so that's when I had to really start prioritizing what was important to me um, and scaling back exactly what I was doing in the gym. Cause there's like during the, during 2021, I think I was going to like group fitness classes and um, in the afternoon and lifting in the morning and then trying to coach on top of that and go and, and do my day job. And I was just getting yeah, just burned out, burned out. Yeah. yeah. How do you be a forester remotely? Like what was yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20 like for you? Yeah. So that, Oh man. Social distancing in the forest can't be that hard. No, it's, it's, not, it's not hard at all. Forest. It's okay. not hard at all. Like that's, that's probably one of the best parts is that you can go and meet with, a private landowner or meet with the yeah. consultant that's going to get work done and um you don't really have to worry about it as long as you're socially distanced and outside yeah there you go. the trees are fine too yeah and you're in nature it's and you're in nature yeah. yeah so what is it like to be a coach because you started this originally to help your friends and to coach your friends and i'm sure you've grown a lot you've changed mm -hmm. a lot of things yeah what is what is being a coach like uh being a coach is is being being somebody's champion, I think, um, and, you know, believing in that person um, sometimes more than they believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also being available, like being, being present during, during that coaching session, during that coaching session and being able to like really, really drive home points of like what exactly is happening, what's not happening. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, because because both both of my current clients are are my friends it's also being able to like talk about talk about what's like stressing them out mm -hmm. what what's what external factors that they have that, that are going on or reasons why they can't get to a certain part of their programming or what they're having trouble with so yeah, yeah it's it's more it's more than just telling people what to do for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, there, there's a lot of listening that's involved yeah, yeah. and just like it, it expands so much further than just in the weight room. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you said, like truly knowing them, knowing what's going on, knowing what they're struggling with. Yeah. Because all of that matters one as a friend and a good person. And yeah. also when it comes to programming. Yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, there are definitely days where, um, like, like where my athletes will be hitting their programming and where I'm, where I'm sitting, I'm sitting at my, my desk at my job and they'll be like, Oh, I have a question about this. I was like, Okay, I think I might be able to take a little bit of a break from work so I can yeah. answer your question. And but it's also like managing, managing, managing that availability too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also like sometimes people have questions or 
you know, whatever that like you could answer, but mm -hmm. it might be better if you didn't answer. Yeah. And if they like figure it out themselves, yeah. like there is definitely a balance. There. Absolutely. Yeah. No, there's definitely, um, I have to always, cause the, the lifter and the lifter in me mm -hmm. knows, all right, this is, this is something I'm learning as a coach is that like, I cannot coach with the same intensity that I, I lift with which I lift. Right. So like, I, like I, I tend to be a pretty nitpicky person when it comes to my own like technique, but I need to reel that back as a coach because if you're like, like so much of coaching is like telling somebody how to do something correctly, mm -hmm. but you also have to be like, you also have to reel that back in the sense of like, you can't just say, don't do this or don't do this. Cause that when you start, you start saying things that are negative in, in, mm -hmm. uh, negative in like context don't or like do don't do this don't do that it's not a, that's not like productive in yeah. any sort of way right like do this do this okay and not saying don't do that don't do that well what are you telling me to do you know mm. that that sort of back and forth so yeah it's interesting that you say that i went to a gym in savannah on rotations and they had something like on their wall or they, they told all their members like when you're cheering someone on mm -hmm. make sure to say the positive, mm -hmm. not don't drop the bar, right. like doing thrusters in an open workout, like yeah. not, Hey, don't stop or don't drop the bar, but keep going. Yeah. And that I had never heard that before. Um, and it really like they, you know, what they said was like, your brain just hears the, it takes out the negative and it's mm -hmm. just going to hear drop the bar. Yeah. And then it's also just like, you're having the negative thoughts in your head. Like, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, I had never really thought about that before. Yeah. Why is that? why is why are we more receptive why is the positive cue the do this the more effective cue well because it's it's focused on the specific act, action that you want your your client or your athlete to to achieve right and if you're giving them an actionable task that's way more productive of, or and, and more positive of a, of a cue than saying than saying don't mm -hmm. don't like like don't not doing something is not doing that thing, but it's also not telling the person. What should I do instead? Yeah, what what do you do instead? So if you if you cut that part out, the, the don'ts like and do the do's like yeah. that's way that's just way more productive. Yeah. Was that something that you are still like? Do you ever still want to say like don't do that? But you're like ah like how, what do I say instead? I so I've I've become practiced. Yeah, uh, yeah I've I've definitely become practiced uh in you're so used to it now yeah, yeah. I, i'm a bit more used to it at yeah. first were you like I, like when people ask me hey can you look at this like i'm just like hanging out with my friends in the gym and i'm like don't do that and they're like well, what do i do and i'm like well i don't know like i'm yeah. not a coach yeah no i yeah i um no that that's something so when you when you take that usa weightlifting certification that's like one of the things that they hit okay. and hound on it's just like you you cannot you should not like tell someone not to do something, right? Yeah. Like that's, it's just, it's just counterproductive. Yeah. Is there anything else that you feel like you've changed or improved since you started coaching? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, when I myself don't hit a lift or I must, or one of my athletes, they don't hit a lift like, and they, they know that they have it. Um, I just, help them helping them focus on the next lift um, and not getting too hung up on 
on why they didn't hit that that last lift. Like definitely, you can definitely address like what exactly happened, but not not hyper focusing on it because mm-hmm. when when that hyper focusing on stuff that you did wrong occurs, then like you're just really it it just puts you in a more negative headspace for your next lift, right? Like because mm-hmm. then you're hyper focused on that one aspect. Tend to you'll tend to like essentially embody that in your next lift. And, oh man, yeah. You're also scared, right? Yeah, yeah. That like conf- like especially with the snatch, something as technical as the snatch, like you yeah. can you can rip a clean like pretty easily. <laughs> you can rip a clean off the ground pretty easily. It can be, it can be dirty. It can be yeah. ugly and you got yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. It can be a gritty, gritty lift. And like that's there's something to be said about lifters that can lift that like with that kind of ferocity. But with the snatch you have to be a technician, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a lot of balancing that's involved, like a huge amount of balancing that, that's involved. And I'm looking at your diagram up I on know, the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know you, you can't just, you can't just power yourself through a snatch, right? Like you're either going to like overpull it mm. um, uh, and it's going to go out the back door, but yeah. You, yeah. That's so like snatching is great. It's like love, hate relationship. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And, and so as a coach, I, I just do less when, when like something's not going well for my athlete, like they, they will usually, at this point, like they'll usually give me a feedback of what they think is going going mm. wrong with it, and then that's 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 when I step in. Um, mm. And so, um, being able to do less and and give fewer coaching points, I know that that like and and trying to reel myself back so I'm not over coaching. You know. Yeah, and I think a lot of people think that coaching looks like being the best and just telling someone how to do it yeah and what makes an effective athlete does does not always make an effective coach right like i see people in the gym all the time asking the fitter athletes the more experienced elite would you say like athletes hey how do i how do i do a butterfly pull up and Mm -hmm. i'm like the elite athlete just hops on there and does a butterfly pull up and it's like just do it like that (laughs) when did that help anyone yeah so how do you take, because like we said, like the snatch is so technical and the clean and jerk is also very technical. How do you take someone from never doing these movements at all to then doing these beautiful, crazy technical movements? What's that process like? Yeah. So, uh, the way that it was taught to me was to break it down into segments, right? So you don't start off doing, doing a snatch, um, right. You start off figuring out what your start position is. Um, and then you work from the base, work basically from the bottom, basically to like your hang position. Um, and then you, you segment each part of that lift, right? So um, teaching the, the various motor mechanics that are involved with going from the hang position up into basically your, your high hang um, to your Crossfitters will call the scarecrow position where you're up tall yeah. <laughs> um, in the high pull and then transitioning slowly, getting that lifter comfortable with transitioning from um, like being able to do a snatch from a power position into a power snatch, but then getting uncomfortable with um, like dropping down under the barbell or, or pushing themselves under the barbell into an overhead squat. So, um, you know, I, I like, I approach it from, um, increasing my clients like basically positional comfort right so each 
the snatch, as we, we see on the wall here, there's, it's, it's basically a, a series of positions that they have to hit. Um, getting them comfortable and accustomed to sitting in those positions um, and, and being in those positions. So, um, you know, what I, what I do with my most, like my, new, my newest clients, um, like newest to lifting is I take them through um, like an eight, eight to 12 week, um, basically learning of the, of the positions through programming. So we'll do snatch deadlifts, we'll do clean deadlifts, we'll do um, hang snatches, um, we'll do snatch high pulls from the power position just, and then eventually progress to power snatches and power cleans. Um, we'll work on, we'll work on the footwork for the jerk and, and the split jerk. Um, and essentially just progressing that, progressing those movements over like an eight week period, eight, eight to 12 weeks typically. So not a lot of work at all or anything like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like well, if you want to be good, this, good at something this. or proficient at something. Oh, you for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't think people yeah. pick up Olympic lifting to not work hard. Right. It's almost like that's why people love it because it is challenging. Yeah. Like, it rewards people who are diligent and disciplined. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, like I have gotten so much better at snatching just from doing snatching, just from snatching mm -hmm. or like once or twice, once or twice a week versus it used to be, I would avoid those days. Yeah. Like maybe snatch once a month yeah. and like no one ever got better at anything doing it once a month. Right. But it really does take repetition. It takes so much practice. Mm -hmm. It's not like, like everything at the gym. Like when you think about CrossFit, like most things take practice, but like at some point, like you can do another wall ball. You can do another box jump. Mm -hmm. right? You can do another pull up. Mm -hmm. But the way that you get better at Olympic lifting is just so different, mm -hmm. right? And you have all of these different people that respond to teaching a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. What is that process like? Teaching someone, cueing someone, trying to get, trying to get a product. Like, how do you, how do you get that product out of someone? Right. So there, so there are a couple ways that you can do it. Um, so when, when you have a, a lifter that's pretty experienced or at least experienced enough that they're comfortable with, with moving through a snatch or, or, or they're hitting clean and jerk pretty consistently, um, then it's a matter of refining, refining the technique. Um, and so what I'll do is, um, what I'll do is essentially give them, give them verbal cueing. Um, and so what, what is a verbal cue, right? So a verbal cue is not instruction, right? So the, the, you move through the instruction process. This is like, a, oh. yeah. So once you've instructed your lifter, right? Like at exactly how you want them to move or how they should be moving. Um, then you can come up with like a verbal cue and a cue is like basically a, a short, short, very, very, very condensed instruction, right? Um, and that it's usually like one to three. I've, I think I've heard up to like six words uh, in length in terms of efficacy. Um, and it's designed, there's designed for a specific outcome, right? So they're outcome, outcome driven uh, instructions that you, a coach can give to a lifter essentially in the middle or before, right before they start their lift, right? So um uh like just as an example like state like tighten up on the bar or something like that mm -hmm. um just in in the setup right and so these are these are really really condensed down instructions that are meant to they're intended to elicit a specific uh 
completion of the task from that athlete. Um, as an athlete, you can use those cues as essentially a mantra that you focus on mm -hmm. for that for that lift, right? Yeah. So I've never really thought of it as like cueing during mm -hmm. because I think I just black out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure some people though. I think that's why like it's all it's based on the person always. Yeah. Like, I think it can be super effective for some people to hear it. Yeah. You know, right before they need to do it. Right. How do you figure out who's going to respond best to what? Um, I don't think I've, I don't think I've figured that Practice. out yet. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't, I guess you don't really figure it out until you, until you do it. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so it, it really, it really depends on like, it really depends on what you see that athlete doing in that specific part of the lift of, of a lift. Like what is their, what is their weakest part of that lift and honing in on how you can how you can give them an, an instruction that might strengthen that part of the lift right so um, a really good example of this and I, I've seen this a lot um, I've seen this a lot in, in, in my athletes um, as as they get more and more pro proficient in the split jerk um, one of one of the things that I, I emphasize and this is something that I've struggled with as a lifter is just uh, like keeping that barbell over top of you. Right. And, and so what I'll ask my athletes to do is um, a reach their, reach their front foot forward um, and B like reach like punch up and back behind them um, with, with their arms. So. Yeah. I feel like there's so many cues out there. Yeah. And like, I feel like at some point, a lot of people just say the same ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like there's way more of a science, like, well, an art, an art and a science to cueing though. Well, there is a, there is a science behind and, and the science. So they're like, essentially what, what cues break down to is internal versus external cues. Right. And so an internal cue is focused on a specific body part um, and eliciting a specific movement pattern or motor function in, with that body part. Uh, the, Contra, like the contrast as an external cue, which is like focused on and something that's completely outside of the body. So, uh, the science, uh, you know, the science shows that external cues are much more effective, mm -hmm. um, in developing motor functions. Um, and for weightlifting, you, like, I think there's like a, something between like a, like a 10% increase in like power output. Um, when, oh, wow. when you cue with external, like external focus mm -hmm. versus internal focus. Cause if you think about like internal focus, like, like this is a really, really common internal cue that I hear all the time. I've given this cue before. Um, it's, it's, uh, like long arms, mm -hmm. long arms and it's with a snatch, right? Mm -hmm. So long relaxed arms. Well, if you tell, you tell an athlete to focus on their arms, to bring their, bring their focus to their arms. Like they're going to focus on their arms and they're going to keep nice long arms. But what, what's not going to happen is that like they're, they might neglect, they might neglect the, the rest of the lift. Right. So if they keep in long arms, chances are they're not going to pull themselves under in the third pool mm. uh, and punch out properly. Chances are they're, they're going to keep those long arms and apply those long arms the, through the, through, throughout the entirety of that second, second pool and they're not going to effectively pull under the barbell and that barbell is going to swing out. It's going to loop out and you got, then you've got space between you and the barbell. So well, you got long arms though, <laughs> but, you've, but you've got long arms, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, 
contrast that with an external cue, which is pull under the barbell, right? So like rip that barbell to the ceiling, mm. you know, mm -hmm. um, it's a verb followed by like a place that you, that you aim for. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that effectively tells your lifter like, Hey, yeah, long, like long relaxed arms, but also you need to be able to like pull, yeah. pull that barbell and pull yourself under that barbell at the same time. It's, so. it's just more complete. Yeah. And it's like, they're not just going to be focused on this one thing mm -hmm. that is impeding their performance. Like they're focused on the one thing that will actually help their performance. Yeah. Are there, like, how do you know what to cue? There's so many things to say, like, mm -hmm. how do you figure it out? Cause I'm sure there's like seven, especially with a new person, like I could say seven things right now, but yeah. I'm going to choose one. Like yeah. how do you choose that one? Yeah. It's, it's through practice. Um, and then feedback from that athlete asking, um, and this is something I'm also, I'm learning as a coach, um, just what, what makes for an effective cue. Um, you know, I, I asked my athletes, I asked Claire and Chelsea, like, was that effective? Did that help? Like, mm -hmm. did you feel, did you feel that like the intended outcome of that cue happening mm -hmm. as you, as you lift? Um, cause you're not only the, the point of, of cueing is not only just having your athlete like lift better, but also be like thinking, thinking through their lifts, right. And being a little bit more self-sufficient, right. Cause like the way that I've got, the way that I've got strength check set up right now, like I, I can't be with my athletes all the time. Yeah. I wish I could, uh, when they're lifting, but it's just, I just can't. So when, when they think through, when they think through those cues, did they, did they achieve what, what that cue mm -hmm. is intended to achieve? Um, if they didn't, what happened? What happened? And, and so, it, um, in that process, I feel like I'm building a, or, or at least coaching, coaching both Claire and Chelsea to like lift, like lift, but also be like recognize exactly yeah. what they're doing. Like your, your coaching awareness. Yeah. And like, I like what you said, self-sufficiency and also just like independence. Yeah. So that there might be some times where they're like, you don't have to say anything. I know what I did. Yeah. Or like the feedback, like it's way more. I think it's really easy to just like start saying things yeah. when someone misses a lift or does oh, it yeah. correctly, but it's way more effective for them yeah. to notice it yeah. and it, to say it. And so when I coach, if, if, if my lifters miss something, right. I ask them, the first question is what happened, mm -hmm. what happened? And they can typically like, they'll typically give me like exactly what they, what they think happened and typically it's right. But yeah. Yeah. Um, you're like, no, that's actually not at all. What yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you, you build that, you build that independence in that, in that athlete so that when they're lifting by themselves, mm. they, they know. Yeah. And confidence. Cause like if they are feeling what they're doing right mm -hmm. versus wrong, mm -hmm. then, and like, they're not off base. You're like, yeah, that's actually exactly what happened. Yeah. Then they're going to know how to fix it because yeah. they can feel it. Yeah. Hopefully. But then there's also the external part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that you bring up a really good point too, is like knowing when, knowing when to shut up as a coach, mm -hmm. you know, um, if, if your athlete's doing something right, you don't have to say anything. Or if you do say something, it's like, that was right. Like good. that was, that was <laughs> like, good job. Like yeah. that was, yeah. And so that, that's something I, I'm also learning as a coach. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we recently <laughs> trained our dogs. We have like two year old dogs and they, yeah. they were puppies and 
it was like when they do something right, just say good. Or when they yeah. don't do something right, just say no and give yeah. them a correction. And it's yeah. just about like being very clear and very intentional with your corrections and your cues mm -hmm. because then your dog or your athlete yeah. will become confident and will know what you want. Yeah. What are you trying? Not just like, hey, come over here and sit. Sit. Right. Right? Like right. six words versus one. Yeah. What makes, or is there such thing as a good cue versus a bad cue? Uh, bad cue would be, yeah, yes, yes, okay. there is a difference. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so a good cue focuses on a desired outcome. A bad cue does not do that, right? So, um, one that I can think of just off of the bat here is, um, like if you if you're setting up for your snatch, right? You want you want your ideally you want your hips and shoulders to rise at the same right rate off the pool on the initial pool. Um, what what I've seen happen and what was coached to me way back in way way back when I was in CrossFit is that like you get these you get these internal cues that are like make you have to think about how your body is positioned relative to other parts of your body. So like how high your hips are sitting mm. off the ground versus where, yeah. where your shoulders are. And that like just objectively is a bad cue, right? Mm. Because then you're thinking about like, you, I don't know what person has like that kind of command over their positional awareness, but especially that fast, that fast. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know where my hips are in space, but I know that if I'm balanced in my foot, I know that my hips, my hips will sit where they need to sit. Mm. Um, so, um, a good cue is, a good cue is, is it, it's, it's a specific outcome, right? So, um, and then like the, the other part of the other part to it is that like these things need to be discussed before you like implement them, right? Like you can't just say like, rip the barbell, like rip, rip, rip the barbell to the ceiling, like, or, or yeah. pull yourself under the barbell. Yeah. Like there, there's gotta be some instruction prior to that in the training session okay. for, for you to apply that cue. Right. Like you yeah. can't just say like punch up and back. Although like that, that can be, that, that is pretty like punch up, punch up and back in the split jerk is pretty like specific, but mm -hmm. like ideally there would be some sort of coaching or instruction that happened before that so that your athlete knows exactly what you're talking about before. Not just like punch them in the back where? Yeah. Or like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Well, so this is, this is a cue that I give a lot is like in the, in the second pool in the snatch, I say like punch through the floor, right? Punch the floor with your foot. Mm. Um, and that, that's a cue to the athlete to like very violently, like, and, and through their, through their midfoot, like, um, do that final pull before they do their third pull and pull under. Um, when that was, when that was taught to me, like I thought, I thought for, for whatever reason, because it wasn't explained to me, like that just meant, Oh, I need to rock back on my heels. Like that's what they mean. Or like punch through your heels. Like it, no, like you don't need to rock back through your heels, but like your focus should be on like maintaining contact with the floor um, mm. in, in order to exert the like, like maximum amount of power through that that third or that second pool. So it's also knowing like how your athlete responds 
and tweaking your cue yeah. based on like, okay, no, Patrick, that's not what the desired outcome was, yeah. but I need to tweak my cue if mm -hmm. I gave that to you. Mm -hmm. What you said about like knowing where your hips are, that's very much how CrossFit teaches how to squat and how to deadlift mm -hmm. is your deadlift, like your hips are at the same height as your shoulders yeah. and a squat, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is often how people then teach those things. Yeah. And I think how something should look versus how you teach it is very different. Mm -hmm. And unless like you said, this person has just amazing body awareness and can, can change it really quickly in a, a squat or a deadlift, like obviously those things are slower. And so like mm -hmm. me setting up for a deadlift, I can feel, okay, my hips are not as high or my hips are lower, but that's not because of where my hips are. It's because of how my hamstrings feel. Mm -hmm. Like it's still kind of a different awareness. It's not like I can picture where my hips are in space. It's because of all of the different sensations you're getting that are like, okay, I know I'm in a squat. You know what I mean? It's yeah. proprioception. Yeah. yeah. And there's a PG term for it. But when I sometimes say that to people, they're like, what do you mean? Like yeah. my hips are doing what they're at where. Yeah. And then like, I don't coach this snatch and the clean and jerk. Um, that's not a very big part of my job for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but um, that's why I find people like you, but it's because it's just so technical and it's just so hard. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize like how, how particular it is and like how prepared you have to be. And like you said, everything is for a desired outcome. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, let me make this lift look prettier or right. like bring your chest up because you should. Right. Like, what, what is that doing? Yeah. What is the, the outcome of that? Mm -hmm. It sounds like cues can be very like powerful either way. Yeah. Positively. Yeah. Negative. And, and that's not to say that there's like a limitation to, to cueing, right? Like, like no, at, at a certain point with a lifter, like they're, they're just not going to be able to apply that cue. Right. It's either going to be like, they, they don't have the, like, strengthen that position or command of that position or they have misinterpreted they have misinterpreted what that cue actually is intended to do or there's like a lack of mobility that they can't they can't complete mm. that cue like for example like if you were if you're doing like a hang clean or hang snatch like there's a there's a certain point where there's a certain weight where you're not going to be able and i tell you to like stay over that barbell um the intended outcome is to have those shoulders over top that barbell for as long as possible before you initiate your second pull. Um, like there's a certain weight where that athlete is no longer going to be able to stay over that over top their barbell, their, their natural reaction or their natural, natural reaction to having a heavy enough weight is mm -hmm. to shift that weight back to, in order to compensate for being pulled forward. Right. Um, so like no, no amount of me saying, stay over that barbell is yeah. going to like allow well, them to, yeah, I can't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's when, that's when you have to like, you know, verbal cues are like one piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, if there is, if, if there's something that your athletes really struggling with at, as far as like some kind of pull mechanic, that's when we start getting into like, like visual cues. Mm -hmm. So like being able to show them what it looks like. And then there are, um, like technique exercises that you can do um, or you can write into their programming that like that will get them to move the way that you need them to do or like essentially elicit elicit the the desired movement. So yeah. um, one of the things that one of the things that I learned when I when I started doing 
like strictly Oli versus um, like Oli lifts for CrossFit was mm-hmm. that you have to stay active on that barbell in the snatch, right? Like you can't just like pull it. <laughs> and like hope it lands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was the, there's like some non PC term that I was going to come up with. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know. No, no, right, we'll, we'll save it. Um, yeah. You can tell me once we stop recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But essentially, you pull and drop under the barbell, right? Yeah. That's that's the way that it was taught to me in yeah. CrossFit. Whereas if you're like actively pulling under that barbell, mm-hmm. pulling under the barbell is different from different in terms of its communication than dropping under the barbell. Dropping under the barbell implies that you're like you've pulled, you've done everything that you can do at that yeah. point, and now it's just your job to get under the barbell as fast as possible. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and so where where like, oh man, now I forgot what I'm talking about. PC, like, something, and pulling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know yeah. what I asked you. Yeah, um, so the, oh man, what was that train of thought? Was it, ver- oh man, I forgot too. Verbal cueing. Oh yeah, so there's no, there's no amount of verbal cueing, or if, if that's something that they're really struggling with, that concept of like actively staying, like pulling on that barbell, there are, there are corrective exercises that we can do to um, elicit that, that movement. So like um, you would, like if you, if I program snatches for, like if there's a, a day where snatching is like the exercise that we're doing in, in the program, I'll usually like prime my athletes with like some light barbell reps that they can do, mm-hmm. um, reps with just the barbell that not only warm up the body to like lift heavier things, but also prime the movement that I'm mm-hmm. after, right? So a good example would be like tall snatches, right? So mm-hmm. if you start up off on your feet in basically upright with the barbell and then actively pull yourself under that barbell while dropping down into the bottom of the snatch using no legs, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, not imparting any vertical motion um, and just dropping under that barbell. Usually about like three to four sets of those, like that, like, and then um like with like modifying the weight on that barbell will get your will force literally force your athlete to make do do that motion do that motion yeah Yeah. that's i've noticed that like i'm a big believer in your warm-up doesn't have to look that different than your lift like you can grab a bar and and start yeah and i but like with that i think a lot of people often you know think of the other spectrum the other end of the spectrum and they're like oh so you're saying like just load up the bar and start no, that's not what I'm saying. No. I, I have very much felt the difference. Like when I'm in a hurry and I just like put weight on the bar and I start going, like it mm-hmm. is not as good of a session versus when I have like snatch, um, snatch balances or snatch presses or like something that even like a kettlebell windmill, something yeah. that like just starts getting me into that position and like primes, primes me to do what I should be doing in the lift mm-hmm. versus me just viewing the day as like, I'm going to snatch. Yeah. It's more of like, this is what I'm going to work on mm-hmm. in my snatch right. today. Yeah. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really sets the intention for that session. And I, I think that's, that's something that, you know, as, as a coach, I try to do with my programming mm-hmm. is, you know, being, being very, very intentional of what we're trying to achieve. Um, so if say, say my, my athletes are complaining about like shoulder stability or they're hypermobile or, um, you know, they, they've got some sort of, they feel like they're not secure in some sort of, well, 
let's work on that. Like yeah. there's no shortage of things that we can do to work on that. So yeah. yeah, I think that that feeling comes a lot from like what you said, the, the way that we're kind of taught to snatch and CrossFit is like, just get under it and like mm-hmm. hope it, hope, yeah. <laughs> hope it stays there. Yeah. And like, when you think about, no, I'm actively like punching against this bar, like mm-hmm. my arms are still a big player in this mm-hmm. equation. You feel so much more secure you than do. when you're just like, well, like I'm yeah. going to squat now and see if I can keep this thing overhead. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't, I, I don't know why we forget that our shoulders are heavily involved. In that, right. in <laughs> are there any cues that you feel like are over, overly dosed? Overly dosed. Yeah. Um, there's, so this isn't like only, it can be only specific, but I see it more during back squats, just this knees out. Oh my like, God. Yes. Oh wow. I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, my knees just don't go out. Yeah. Not like, and they don't need to. Right. Right. And I, I've seen it, like, I've seen it like yelled at people, not yelled at people, but like just cued to people yeah. um, when they don't have any sign of like, like knee cave. Yeah. Um, and even then, like knee cave is not like a horrible thing. We could like, have a whole podcast yeah. on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so knees out during the squat is like one that just drives me bonkers. Like, okay. All right. you don't need to like, yeah. What I what I really like to see is just more of like actively pushing out through the floor or something <laughs> like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I um I had a client once that had knee pain because she was so aggressively pushing her knees out Mm -hmm. and she was like, well, that's what I've been taught. And as soon as she stopped doing that, like her knee, like in the squat itself, it went away. Yeah. And I, we're so like afraid of these particular, like forbidden fruit movements that we almost cue so aggressively against them. Mm -hmm. And then that's the thing that like, is uncomfortable. Like this is so (laughs) ironic. I know exactly why you were cued this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's like the difference between, People cueing for like, uh, you know, injuries or pain, like versus cueing for technique and for performance mm-hmm. and for efficiency. Like it's just a very different mm-hmm. when we're cueing for quote unquote safety purposes, like, oh, you know, the, the stigma of like, keep your back straight, don't let your knees cave in, yeah. whatever it is, we're, we're not, it's not effective. And we're often like creating fear. Oh yeah. That. And yeah. just like, again, like you said, like that's, it's, what is that doing for your back squat? Like, what is mm-hmm. that doing for your lift? Mm-hmm. What are other cues? I'm oh man! Now. Are you, you want you want bad cues? I want or good cues, cues that like you feel like are very common. Yeah, I feel like we've all heard the same cues, yeah. and then when you hear a different cue that yeah. clicks, it's like, yeah. oh my god, it makes so much sense now. Yeah. Um, one, another one that I hear quite often um, it, with with the clean or even with the snatch is like just high elbows. Mm-hmm. Um, high elbows means a lot of things. And, and the way that the way that I was taught how to, how to clean, how, how to snatch, like you bring your elbows high and then you have this fast turnover. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would much rather someone just say like, pull, pull yourself under the barbell mm-hmm. or, um, you know, the, I think the one that that's, that's taught in, um, one of the, one of the ones that was taught to me was just like, Oh, the motion is like zipping up the coat, zip the coat. Like, Oh, like, yeah, like that. I think that it, it to me is a little bit more effective of a motion than saying, bring your elbows up or yeah. like have high elbows, like zip the coat with the barbell like that. that Internal versus external. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. What else? Do you have any others? Ooh, um, off of the, 
off of the liftoff, um, so for for the snatch and the clean, um, one of one of the ones that I see a lot is like drive the knees back. Mm. Um, so like that's essentially getting your knees out out of the way of the barbell. Yeah. That happens naturally if you just mm-hmm. tell somebody to stand up with the yeah. barbell. The knees are gonna get out of the way already. I yeah. mean, unless the person has like like very very peculiar like peculiarly long like femurs and shins like yeah. what if you scrape your shins when you snatch what what are we doing wrong i'm just asking for a friend here <laughs> do you i scrape my knees okay yeah. <laughs> like i there's so, a time where i wore shorts and i was like shoot so i literally take up my shins yeah um but the cue that was given to me was push your knees back and it like completely changed how you my snatch because yeah. I was so like but and I don't I mean good or bad thing like it was I was like this is a completely different movement to me yeah. now and now like I don't know where I am yeah the problem with pushing the problem with that cue is that when you push your knees back you're you're naturally want your body is going to want to elevate its hips and then yeah. then you're like way 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 far over the barbell way too far over the barbell um your shoulders um yeah. and and so what I would say is like drive your knees, drive your knees. I know I just said, oh, like, man, I know I just said, I know <laughs> no, okay. but it's different. It, it is a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just to press your knees out against your arms. Right. So you like getting your knees out of the way. Yeah. Um, so you're not doing it like counterproductively, but still staying balanced on that bar. Um, so like on your setup for your snatch, I would say drive, drive your knees out against your arms and that should get them out of the way. Mm. and create enough space for you to still scoop under yeah 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 it's just interesting like yeah the different like there's a lot of different ways to cue someone yeah there's a lot of cues that like we've all heard that yeah. we're like oh i should do it this way yeah and- well like and, and to your point like that there are so many nuances it might not oh, even yeah. be a it might not even be like a that mechanical of an error like you you may have enough space for where you like on how you normally set up I it'd just have to, I'd have to look at like what your, yeah. what your start position looks like. And, um, like even moving the barbell a little bit further away from you might help, you know? Oh God. Yeah. So unsafe out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always do better with hang snatches and hang cleans. Like I feel so much better Why is and that? I can hit pretty much the same, like within five pounds. Really? Yeah. Just off the hang. Yeah. It's a, it's a flaw. Like I know that's not a good thing because <laughs> that means like my full definitely work mm-hmm. but I just feel so much more because I don't have to go around my knees I don't have to deal with that part of my body it's just like yeah a shorter way yeah. to go yeah shorter distance to travel <laughs> <laughs> so what has it been like in the last because you started in July right yeah. like what is it like to be a new coach it's, it's scary sometimes it's, it's, scary, <laughs> it's scary out, out there, there. <laughs> yeah um yeah I uh so I, I draw a lot of uh in like source of inspiration from Low Country Barbell. I think they've got a really cool program um, and a really really talented coach. Um, and and so in that same breath, I like also live under this shadow of fear, like <laughs> that I'm doing like like because I like I want I want to do what's best for for my clients, mm-hmm. right? And like not having that foundation or like as lengthy of a weightlifting career as say Jordan or, or like a science, science background like mm-hmm. you have. Um, I, I live not in 
I wouldn't say I live in constant fear, but I, I definitely um, live and question what I do as a coach. Um, you know, I like to say, I like to think that there's a healthy level, yeah. like versus an unhealthy level. But then I also like want to make sure that like, I know that if I, if I post or say something on social media, like, I don't know who's going to, who's looking at that and who's scrutinizing it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that like, yeah. So like, I like, I like to operate the way that I operate, but I also want to make sure that I'm providing the best information for my clients, like, and, and also backed by the current body of research. So I think that just shows how much you care. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you don't <laughs> want to hurt people and you like truly want to help people. I yeah. think this is something that, truly like is not talked about a lot, but it mm-hmm. very much affects a lot of health professionals, like especially those of us in health and fitness mm-hmm. right now, like because of what's maybe happening on Instagram in our bubble. I'm sure people listening to this are like, who are you talking about? Like, right. like we know very clearly yeah. there's just like this dichotomy of the no bros, right? Is what they call it. The yeah. functional boys, no bros, spot yeah. university versus like Aaron Kubal, Greg Lehman and, um, this other guy and that they're just like every everyone is so against each other and like attacking and nitpicking everything mm-hmm. that you say that it's really hard to be especially like a new person or someone in the social media sphere and not be paralyzed by fear that you're gonna also get attacked yeah and I feel like there's just this huge middle ground of people that like we're trying to learn we're trying to push the professions forward mm-hmm. we're trying to do the best for our clients but in and being so afraid, it's almost hard to to make. We don't want to make mistakes. Right. We're just going to scrutinize. Yeah. And like you learn by making mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think the difference is like you are questioning, and like I think being skeptical and always questioning yourself is such a big strength because those both of those sides of people are hurting each other and hurting themselves because they're not questioning mm-hmm. because they are very rigid in their beliefs. Maybe some more than others. I don't really know. But when you're in this middle of like, I'm here to help my clients, I'm here to stay up to date, like you are allowed to change your beliefs, Mm -hmm. but there's no room for that on social media right now. Yeah, It's like, no, you're not allowed to say something and then mess up and then fix it later. Or you're not allowed to, it's also kind of like the, like, like you said before, like the politically correct world that we live in now, like, yeah when you're typing up a caption or like showing something, you're like so scared to yeah. say something offensive or yeah. to say something that might be taken in the wrong way. Cause there's so much, so much nuance in the human body. Mm-hmm. You can't explain it in an Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I yeah. feel you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of me, so I, I, I listen, I listened to the, I listened to your podcast with Jordan Wigger about like squat university and I go back and forth on that, on that account so much. Yeah. I, know. I think Everybody there's, does. there's like, there's, there's good information there in there, but there's also like, like stuff that isn't backed by science, but also like the, the stuff that I think the stuff that he's putting out there is not going to end like, like have any, have anyone like wind up in the emergency room. Right. Like they, like, I also think like we, we as people who digest, digest all these things need to be able to like take a step back and be like, okay, what, what is this person actually, what are, what are they saying? And then like, is someone going to get hurt doing these things? I don't, I wouldn't think so, but. 
Yeah, I think it's like the potential nocebo, like the potential harm, the the fear. Yeah. Like when you when you cue in that specific way, when you teach in that specific way, like it, it isn't backed, which could be because there's just not evidence, or it could be mm-hmm. because it's not like it is against you know it's not supported. But yeah. either way, it could potentially create fear, which causes someone uh, to not move. Yeah, and like. I think that's what everyone's kind of focusing on and battling yeah. right now is as humans, like how, as a society, we just need to move more, but mm-hmm. there's already enough barriers out there to being healthy and to moving more. And now we're just adding, Oh, well, you have to do it in this right way. Yeah. Like if I, if I had, if all my clients had to move in this perfect way, otherwise they weren't allowed to move, like we wouldn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem is uh, like all the potential fear that it creates. But for us, like we read it mm-hmm. and it's not harmful because we know better or because we, we have all this foundation of knowledge or we have a, a confidence in the human body to like not be harmed by it or like for it to not change our beliefs. Yeah. But then I, I think to a lot of its followers or a lot of people that go and repeat the same things, mm-hmm. they're just kind of like spreading misinformation and mm-hmm. potentially spreading fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they've been, I think, attacked so much. I, I feel the same way though. There's sometimes there's things that people post and you're like, this is great information. And then there's yeah. sometimes when you're like, oh my God, I hate that. Like that goes against the message that I preach. Yeah. And we're all just out here trying to preach our message yeah. and trying to put things on our social media that support that message. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to like be a part of it. And I also am a fairly new PT. I've had like other PTs in my life that are much smarter than me and very heavily in the research. And I remember being scared to say things to my client because yeah. that PT was listening. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the point. Right. Like, we're, we're doing this for the person in front of us, not the person that's shadowing us. Right. And all of Instagram is kind of like a shadow, right? <laughs> yeah. Just waiting to like, getting your dms or like comment yeah. um and just skewer you yeah <laughs> right yeah. like just get slaughtered on instagram yeah. you're like i was just trying to help this one client um i think we could all probably give ourselves and give each other like a little bit more grace yeah um <laughs> yeah it's it is such a like an interesting thing that we're like i never knew that foam rolling would be so polarizing <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the things that we're like referring to and talking about, like they aren't life or death. They're no. not. Well, if you if you from rural, like you're not going to go to the ER, and if you from rural, like all of your problems aren't going to go away. Like, and that's the thing. It's like we're arguing about these things that are so nuanced and are so specific and particular to like what we do. Yeah. That I think the rest of the people that aren't in our bubble are just like why are these people arguing about foam rolling over there? How can I get healthier? Like, yeah. what does this do for me? Right, and right. we're so busy talking about foam rolling on Instagram. Like we've definitely done this that we're not providing helpful information, yeah. but that I could go literally on <laughs> for so long about that. Yeah. So tell me how our listeners can find you and like, what's the process like of starting to be your client and athlete? Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, um, strength.check dot w l um okay. I, that's also my like gmail account strength.check strength.check dot w l at gmail.com yeah. i don't have a website yet i'm working on it there you go yeah um but yeah that's how that's basically how you can find me um and then the process of becoming my client is 
basically you're expressing an interest in wanting to learn barbell, right? Like learning anything about barbell, right? Um, or in Olympic lifting. Like I've had clients that have come to me because like, and they're, they've taken like a couple of functional fitness classes mm -hmm. that involve a barbell and they just shy away from that barbell movement because they're like, I don't even want to touch that thing. Or like they get up to the squat rack and they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so like I will, and then like on the, on the other side of the spectrum, I'll have like a client that comes up to me that's wanting to do, doesn't want to do old Olympic lifting. Um, and they just want general strength and mm -hmm. conditioning. And I'm happy, I'm happy to write programming for that. It's just not what I enjoy writing. You know, it's not, it's not best, but it's not a best. There are, there are people, there are other people out there that are better suited. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then I'll also have clients that are like seasoned CrossFitters that just want a look, like just want a, a little bit more attention, like focus and, and hyper attention to like what exactly. Yeah. Kind of like you were. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. these are my weaknesses. I want to get better at them. Yeah. Last couple questions. Yeah. What is it that you love about Olympic weightlifting? Oh man, um, it's almost like meditation to me. Like I, I know people talk about flow states and like um, when they when they do stuff like yoga and stuff, but it is just like when you're when you're in it, nothing else nothing else matters. Like all that matters is that you're moving well and you, you get, you get the barbell from point A to point B. Like that's, yeah, that's it. Like, I like that. I yeah. think a lot of people think that you have to be doing this to be in a flow state, but I think everyone has a different thing that puts mm -hmm. them in that. And mm -hmm. if more people can have a thing that makes them feel like that, the world's yeah. probably a better place. Yeah. What do you wish more people knew or understood about weightlifting? Um, just the amount of rest that's involved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, and, and that you don't get better by going heavy all the time. Mm. Right. Like there's, there's a, there's a method to the madness in progressive overload. Um, and like, it's okay to lift light. Like I, I think, a lot of, a lot of people go into the idea and I was like this for a long time. I was like, Oh man, I'm going to go like, I'm going to be super competitive. Like, and they have these like very, very high expectations and I'm all for people wanting to be the best that they can be. I also think that we also have to like manage expectations in a, in a, in a, a grander sense. Cause I, this is something that I've learned like now that I'm like, almost 32 now that like, wow, I, like, like, yeah, like yeah like <laughs> I, like I I know that I know that there are certain things that I'm not going to be able to do when I'm older um and but I want to be able to just like live comfortably when I'm older um yeah. and so that's you know I, that's that's just like what one of my goals is is just so that my oh, clients Jesse. can keep lifting when they're 55, 60, 65. That's Heck what yes. I want them to be able to do. Right. Love that. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Yeah. I've learned a ton. I'm sure our listeners have too. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, thank you. Yeah. Thank Everyone, you, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram, find us at Healthy Charleston, leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. 
Otherwise, thanks again.